You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Let's get to the, the quarterback stuff. What a awful week for Big 12 quarterbacks. Absolutely awful. I mean, for I on the whole, I mean, there are a couple, there are a couple of great results, but um, poor Skylar Thompson, man, just yeah. awful. You hate to see that injury. Yeah. And also, I'm not sure if you guys have seen the six-game stretch they have coming up. They're going to be underdogs probably six consecutive games uh, with Will Howard, who's not very good at quarterback. Then you have the complete debacle that was Texas at, uh, against uh, against Arkansas. Then you have Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders, through one of the worst pick sixes you'll see the entire season, right? We had that. Tyler Shuck tried to give the game away besides one bomb. He looked pretty bad against Stephen F. Austin. Uh, let's see. Where, who else am I missing here? Anybody want to? Uh, Jason Bean was fine. They played a really good team. I'm not going to kill Jason Bean for that. Um, surprisingly, Max Duggan was was one of the more effective guys through the air. He started off been, rough, had had himself a pick six yes, early on. Yeah, he had bounced back really good. But he's the guy that's got that mental makeup that can re- respond yeah. to something like that. So I would just say it's like, you know, when you guys think about all these quarterback, you know, issues in the Big 12, where do your all's minds go to first? I know Linda, for you, obviously, is going to go to to Spencer Sanders, so I'll start with you. But if it's outside of Spencer Sanders, where where does your mind go to on that? Oh, I'm always fascinated with uh, any kind of demise that comes from the Texas Longhorns. So watching them try to navigate what's been the season so far is an absolute treat for me. And knowing that they're heading to the SEC, like it was already going to be a nice treat for me, but for them to be leaving, it's like a double whammy and I appreciate it. So that's like, I, I like a little quarterback controversy. That's fun to watch. Um, John, I'll, I'll ask you about Texas too. So Sark was pretty adamant that he was not going to play two guys. And people came at me cause they said, Josh, you know, you, you're questioning Sark. Uh, he knows what he's doing week one. It looked great. And then week two, actually he had Hudson card had the game week two. I thought he was going to have week one, oddly enough. And I thought it's a bad move to, to bench the kid after one bad week. They're playing rice too. So if you want to get your confidence back, this is a spot. What did you make of this situation? in the way Sark's handling it. Yeah, I kind of said the same thing to 1400 Sports Talk and Norman that it was a surprise to me that they were not going to go back to Hudson Card for at least one more week to give him another shot to redeem himself. You know, it's like if you got a rookie pitcher in the rotation and he has a bad start, you're not going to bench the guy and pull him from the rotation and put him in the bullpen. You're going to give him another shot. You're going to throw him back out there. You know, Steve Sarkeesian, he's trying to build something at Texas, and so he's trying to kind of make some waves early on, I guess. But if he saw enough from the kid – in fall camp, in spring camp, to name him the starter, then why are you second-guessing yourself already? Like, you're two weeks into the season, and you're already second-guessing a decision. It doesn't – to me, it doesn't breed confidence or, like, build confidence in a program. It doesn't exude confidence, and that's all he came with, right, with all gas, no brakes. Well, apparently now we got no gas, we got no brakes because he's (laughs) going back on the decision that he made already. And to me, I I mean – if it works and Casey Thompson gets them back into, you know, a national title picture contending for the big 12, then he's going to look like a genius. But I mean, we've seen enough of Casey Thompson to know, like he's not necessarily it either. So I don't know, right. it, you know, Hudson cards, he's still a young guy. He's still got a chance to, to be a big time college quarterback. But to me, I think it's a step back for Texas in the program. Yeah. I like Sark. I really do think he's a good quarterback, a good coach, but I think he's, 
so particular about the quarterback spot and as he should be that these two guys who he inherited, neither of them has just won that job. And he said as much in the middle of August, right? He even said, it, I think it was after it was scrimmage or something like that. He's like, yeah, we don't, we don't have a guy yet. And neither of these guys play well enough to do it. Steven is Max Duggan, the best quarterback in Texas right now. I mean, what is going on? Yeah, I hadn't really factored that in, but that that's an interesting take. Um, I mean, I guess if, if Sark is just admitting, like, I made a mistake and I named the wrong guy in, in Thompson as your dude moving forward, then okay, that's fine. But it's really hard to tell that in week three. And as you said, against Rice, that seems like the perfect scenario to maybe play both guys and sort of um, get a better read on who's there. But the other fascinating QB situation to me is uh, I know Iowa's a great defense, but Brock Purdy looked terrible and, you know, eventually got essentially benched or kind of like a, hey, let's, you know, let you sit on the bench and lick your wounds. Um, that team has a lot, had a lot of hype going into the season and they did not look like a dark horse for a big Twelve title or a playoff berth on, on Saturday. And if they're sort of below Oklahoma's as well with everybody else, then suddenly you have a really, really muddled sort of, middle of the conference, which was already pretty jumbled up um, before the season. At least that's what we thought. So that, that's another huge factor, I think, in, in in the league right now. And, you know, it's a great point because Matt Campbell even said, you know, we wanted him to get over there on the sideline and, and think about some, you know, gather himself. But it wasn't just him that that game was on. I mean, Iowa did not play a good offensive game. They didn't have to. I mean, I, Iowa State had a fumble inside the five. They had a Xavier Hutchinson, Hutchinson catch, a catch that he should have made that he tipped back as an interception. And they had, you know, I mean, Brock Purdy, it was awful day. John, as, as somebody who is, you know, covering a team that is the closest rival in terms of like quality of talent and performance to Iowa State. I mean, if you're a Sooners fan, you got to be thinking, I'd like to play this bunch. I like this, I, this version of Iowa State. I think we can deal with. Yeah, can we get them next week instead of in November? Yeah, right. Because, yeah, they're a mess right now. And Iowa's a good football team, like Steven mentioned. That pass rush is relentless. They're going to yeah. give a lot of teams in the Big Ten a lot of fits, except for maybe like Wisconsin, who might be the only team, or Ohio State, that might be the only teams that have offensive lines that can deal with it. But, I mean, they were rushing three and four and still getting to Purdy and just hitting him relentlessly. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, Iowa State, it, it doesn't look good. And, I mean, I, I still think they're a talented team, not going to overreact to them losing to a really good Iowa team. But yeah, Brock Purdy's got to figure some things out because he looked like a very um, raw quarterback in that game. He, he didn't look like a, a guy who's played a ton of football at, you know, a big time college football program. All right, Linda, I'll ricochet down to you for some Spencer Sanders talk. Look, I have, I have a condo on Spencer Sanders Island. Um, not selling it yet, but I'm, I, I might start to talk to my real estate agent maybe field a couple offers because he has got to be better. He's got to. And I'll give him a little bit of pass. The offensive line has got to be, I mean, they've got to do something correct. Like Tulsa cannot be rushing three to four people. Talk about Iowa getting home. Tulsa was getting home against Oklahoma state and Oklahoma state. Their defense is, is pretty, that's, that's, that's legit defense. That is a legitimately good defense that could actually, if the offense was like average, maybe make them the third or fourth best team in the conference. I just would hate to see it if the offense kept them back because I think Spencer Sanders is so talented. When you have pick sixes like that last week where he just looked straight at the linebacker, he's like, I'm throwing it to you. You were 
take it. You are getting the football. You're <laughs> like, it. what? You're like, what do you, you know, what do we do at this point? Because it feels like how many times have we said Spencer Sanders has got to be better? It's been like so many occasions. Well, and Mike Gundy talked about all fall, like all camp leading up to the season. He's like, he's finally taken that step. He looks great. And then, of course, he was out the first week and Shane Illingworth comes in. And Shane Illingworth is well-liked in Stillwater. There were chants from him from the student section on Saturday. He had his helmet on on the side, like ready to go until um, I think it was Jaden Bray caught that touchdown pass. But both touchdown passes were because of the skill of the wide receiver, not because of the skill that Spencer Sanders showed off. And he's he has the some terrible decision make like, and I can say this because I've made some pretty poor decisions. He has awful decision making skills. And he's not a dual threat if he can't also throw the ball. And then when he did scramble for 36 yards, he fumbled it at the end. We just got lucky because Tulsa kicked it out of bounds. Oh, <sighs> I felt good. Well, the, the problem is, I mean, they can't establish the run. We saw some last year, too. I mean, if teams are, you know, teams were playing the run last year, that's why it got stopped. You don't have to play the run this year to get to stop the run against Oklahoma State. That, no, I think, and, and I've mentioned this, and I think we've all talked about it probably individually and, you know, we'll talk about it collectively, but it, it bears its head all the time. Offensive line play is where this stuff is. I know we talk about how offenses, you know, in passing game, whatever is changing. What happened to Florida State, right? Florida State has not had a good offensive line since Jimbo Fisher left. And what's happened? They've been horrible. They've been absolutely horrible ever since then. Bad offensive line play puts your offense in bad spots. It keeps your defense on the field and puts your defense in bad spots. And my issue with Oklahoma State is, sure, they're good right now. But when you play teams like Boise, who have shown some potentially explosive offense, when you play the Sooners, the world – when you play uh, the high caliber, apparently offense of TCU, the high flying uh, Horn Frogs offense, that's where you're going to get in trouble. I, I Dude, think everybody's scary because yeah. you're, because you're, because you're because you're you're how many times can you ask your defense to hold up right before uh, about mid of the third quarter the past right. two weeks you can tell and then they're, they're like looking over the like can, like we don't care if you guys score just have a drive where you just, you hold the ball for ten plays yes. and give us a little bit of a breather and that's that's. You know, well, and the play calling is also an issue. I can't put it all on Spencer. It is stale, right. predictable, awful play calling, bad time management. So there's there's definitely issues all over the board. I feel like if, if things head this way, he might transfer at the end of the year and then have an awesome year somewhere else. Which I wasn't surprised I he didn't transfer. Uh, also, last Sh- year. Shane Ellingworth is not better than him. Uh, if they went that direction, I think the results would be somewhat the same. Uh, yeah. Shane Ellingworth's mobility is going to be an issue with the bad of an offensive line. All right, friends. We're gonna move on, but first, you guys know the deal. We got we got to pay some bills. I know they hate it. We said I think it's funny to say, so we're we're gonna say it. Uh, all right, uh, our friends at RockAuto.com. Uh, if you guys have to fix something, and I do, I I, I need some new carpet actually in my car. RockAuto.com. They're gonna charge me significantly less than I would at the chain store, at a dealership, and whatever you need: tail lamps, front lamps, uh, new radio paint, carpet, whatever you need, rockauto.com. They have got it online, serving customers for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com today. Thousands of parts, hundreds of manufacturers, right locked on in their how'd you hear about us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, always low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, friends, we have a big 12 slate of games to discuss coming up this weekend. 
And it's a bit of a, of a mixed bag. Um, the two games that I would say I'm looking forward to the most are Virginia Tech and West Virginia, because that's a massive – actually, I'm going to Morgantown for that game. Massive rivalry. Nice. Yes, very pumped. Uh, massive rivalry, those two renewing that. And then, well, also Nebraska, Oklahoma is renewing that. But I think in terms of, like, impact on the conference race – you got to look at Oklahoma State and in and, and Boise, and I know it's not a conference game, but this this is a confidence this is a confidence game. So I'll go to you first, Linda. I mean, this is a chance to make a bit of a statement. Not a great Boise State defense. I know they were better last week, but we saw them against a competent UCF offense. They were able to move the ball all up and down the field. What are your thoughts about this game as the uh, as the Cowboys take the show on the road against on on the Smurf turf this week? Well, first of all, that turf's got to be like an immediate knock against any visiting team. I can't imagine it's not jarring to play it's worth on. two and a half points in Vegas, I guess, right? <laughs> Dude, I can't imagine. It makes me nauseous. And I don't ever, like, I never pay it any mind. And this week in particular, I've been like, you know, they shouldn't be allowed to do that. I'm like, <laughs> I've got real worked up about that field this week. Well- well, but, who is uh, it that has the red turf? There's somebody who's got the red turf. Eastern Sorry, Washington yeah. has it. Yes, thank you. Okay, yeah, continue. Yeah, yeah. But the uh, yeah, I think our defense is definitely way better than their defense. But I think our offenses are very similar. Um, they also lack a run game, so that's it, it's going to be. I think either the most boring offensive game you've ever seen, or they decide to air it out and it it becomes a fun show. But I'm extremely nervous if we don't figure out the offensive line. They're still mix and matching and. I hate that about an offensive line. Pick one, stick with it. They have to work together. You can't just – but um, play calling has to improve. Spencer Sanders has to improve. And the defense can't be on the field for the majority of the game. Those are like the three main things for me. And I'm very worried heading to Boise. So it sounds like you don't think it's it's who completes more passes. It's who – Whoever throws more incompletions is going to lose this game, essentially. Yeah. Who yeah. does not complete more passes will lose against essentially. <laughs> yeah. Um, John, we've got the we've got the old Nebraska Oklahoma game. This one's been it's not gonna be a good game, but the the interest has been brewing ever since it was scheduled. And then Scott Frost said last year when they, they weren't playing Big Ten football, we'll play anybody anywhere, anytime. And then he called a bunch of people and tried to get out of this game. Yeah. Uh, and they still have to play this game. Yeah. And he does not sound thrilled. He's not sound ready. I know Oklahoma fans are ready because this game, game of the century 50 years ago, a lot of people really think that this was kind of the game that turned things right in terms of history. Oklahoma started winning after that game. It showed that they could hang with teams like Nebraska. And I think Jake Trotter wrote an awesome piece about the history of it over at ESPN. But um, this game does mean a lot. I know, I know Nebraska won out and they're bad now. This game still means a lot. Yeah, it does. It's a game that Oklahoma fans have been, you know, have had circled on the schedule since it was scheduled. It got everybody fired up back in the spring when, yeah, they tried to back out of it, which is like, how do you back out of like a scheduled non-conference game? I, <laughs> I don't understand that. Like, even when I played club lacrosse back in, you know, at UTA in the early 2000s, we didn't back out of non-conference games, even if we were playing against better competition. You just play the game that's on your schedule. And so Oklahoma fans are fired up for this one because it, it's a game that has so much significance in college football history. It just does. 
and, you know, it doesn't, it may not hold up as well as like Oklahoma, Texas, but I mean, they've been playing this game or they played this game from 1919 up until Nebraska left for the big 10 in 2010. And so they didn't play every year. Obviously there was some time where the, you know, the gaps in the schedule, but they've played so many times, like 86 times have they played. And it's been a back and forth battle. Oklahoma's like plus 10 in the win column in this game. And so it's, it's huge. It, it meant a lot to the big eight. It meant a lot to the big 12, especially, you know, during the Tom Osborne eras, you know, the last half of 2000 to 2010, they were going back and forth for the big 12 title. Even in years where Oklahoma wasn't at its best, they had to go through Nebraska at times to get to the big 12 title. So it's going to be a lot of fun just having that white and red across the field uh, at Owen field. And who knows how this game is going to turn out. I think it's going to be Oklahoma by a bunch, but you just never know. I think, you know, Adrian Martinez poses a problem that, Michael Pratt kind of exposed in that they can get pressure on the quarterback, but if they can't contain him, he can pick up some yards in the scramble game. So it'll be interesting to watch, but yeah, I'm pumped for this game. It's going to be an exciting one to watch. All right, Steven, your squad is off the, the designated third best team, the big 12. Uh, as you revel in the, the shootout that was the, the, I mean, who saw that coming? The Cal TCU shootout where Chase Garbers and Max Duggan were going, you know, blow for blow, I guess you could say. Also, Quentin Johnston's really good. Like, he yeah. is really freaking good. That one touchdown, I think, I'm not sure what kind of route he ran, but the one where he kind of shook the defender after he caught it with the kind of the back turn, almost like a basketball move, was able to cut it upfield. I mean, just showed that quality of being a number one guy. And uh, talk a little bit about the win, and then as you sit in the couch this weekend, where your eyes will be turning towards. Yeah, the opposite of the cheese at bowl uh, a couple of years ago. Some, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Some competent offenses out there. Um, I, I think the biggest encouraging thing, you know, by the time kickoff came around, TC was like 11 and a half point favorites in Vegas, which I thought was a little high. But after that, uh, Cal lost in Nevada. They were expected to go out there and, and, and get a big win. They fell behind early. Um, that's not a game they win the last couple of seasons. Like they just don't have the offensive firepower to come back. Uh, so I, I feel like that's a big deal. And then also, you know, you mentioned Quentin Johnston. Um, Zach Evans and Quentin Johnston were the two best players on the field on Saturday. And I would say, like, against a, a pretty good Power 5 opponent, TCU hasn't had that situation since maybe Trayvon Boykin and, and Josh Doxson. Uh, you know, like Jalen Rager um, was, was that guy at times, but they really struggled to get him the football. Uh, but Evans had 190 yards and – it was what I would describe as like a cool 190. And what I mean by that is right, yeah. He he had a really good game, but then you look up and you're like, wait, he had 190 yards and, and a couple touchdowns? Like that's insane. I didn't know he he was that dominant. Um, so you know, that kind of, of talent and ability to just get the ball to those guys and go score, that's been missing along with some of the quarterback issues that they've had the last few years. So so that's a big deal. Um, as far as what I'm watching this week, I think, you know. Obviously, Oklahoma State and Boise State, I want to see what the Pokes do with a bigger test. Can they find a way to get a win on the road? I think that would be a huge deal for them. And then, sort of weird, but um, I do I do want to see how Baylor-Kansas plays out uh, on on Saturday because we have seen some, some things from Jason Bean that's like, okay, this dude can run a little bit. Like, he can make some plays. They hung with Coastal better than I thought they would. Um, it was a one score game in the third quarter. Yeah. And I mean, I know like low expectations can lead to you coming away from a game like that and saying, Oh, Hey, Kansas looked better, but it, it does seem like at least 
that coaching staff has them believing a little bit um, early in the season. And Baylor has rolled over two really inferior opponents. So um, against a you know somewhat more talented Kansas team, does Gary Bohannon look like uh, a guy that can get the ball out and make plays? Um, and and is KU ready to maybe make some noise? I I wouldn't have predicted that before the season, but um, you know they've looked better than I expected over the past couple of weeks. So I want to see them against a Big Twelve opponent. Baylor's got a great chance to be three zero as they head into that Iowa State game and. The first half of that Iowa State game last year was a, was a absolute nightmare for Brock Purdy. So I, I think that's something to watch. All right, I'm going to give you my game of the week, but first, guys, let's pay some more bills. Uh, sweat block. So if you haven't heard about this, folks, and look, it's, it's still summertime in a lot of the places that we live, right? Big 12 country. Some of these places, Northeast, might be getting a little bit cooler. Not for us. We're still sweating it out in Big 12 country. Sweat blocks got you covered. Uh, firefighters have been testing stuff on the Rachel Ray show. You know, they've been on Amazon, one of the top sellers for years now, 13,000 reviews, and they're still a top seller. Look, people only usually review stuff if they don't like it. People like this so much, 13,000 people are giving this stuff positive reviews. Sweatblock, their wipes work up to seven days. they got a dry shirt guarantee. They'll give you their money back. You can get it Amazon, uh, CVS, or if you go to sweatblock.com, you get 20% off if you get it from there. So variety of ways to get it. Check them out. Sweat block wipes and also our friends at betonline.ag. I mean, if you want a weird line for anything, they probably have it, right? Uh, you know, the number of times the Super Bowl halftime show will the person will sneeze. They have a line usually for something along those lines. Uh basketball, football, Formula One, UFC, boxing, they got you all covered there at Bet Online. Go there today on your iPhone, tablet, computer. I've said it before, iPod Touch. If you still have one of those, you can access it there. Uh, use the promo code Locked On. You get a deposit bonus as well. NFL Mega Contests, Survivor Pools, all kinds of things there. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, folks, this is the game I'm going to West Virginia and Virginia Tech Black Diamond Trophy. Um, just a little bit inside baseball here. So I'm a Virginia Tech fan growing up. Uh, got a couple friends who went to Virginia Tech. I obviously went to Mizzou, but still I root pretty hard for them. So my friends have tech license plates and they're saying, uh, you, you have to drive because they're like, our cars will get damaged if we drive our car, if we drive them into Morgantown. Now, I don't know if that is true now, but this is the anxieties of their father who went to Virginia Tech and knows this rivalry more, more intimately, you could say. This is a huge deal that these two teams are playing and I'm really sad that it's happening at noon. So that's the big part. But also a huge opportunity for Neil Brown's group uh, to, to get a, a big win. And look, they they have a tough non-conference schedule. Playing Maryland on the road and also playing Virginia Tech is, is pretty difficult to have those two games in non-conference. Um, but I, I think it's a huge opportunity. And also, I think Jared Dagey needs to win this game or else they – if he looks bad, they might need to consider making a change of quarterback because – he struggled against a Maryland defense that's not known for being too potent. And um, this tech defense is pretty good, but he needs to show some progression because remember last time that we saw him outside the Maryland game, he got benched against Army. So I think it's it's a it's a big opportunity there. Uh, all right. To finish up, I want to let everybody plug their show, plug their podcast, let everybody know what's coming up. So, Linda, you first. What do we got coming up? What can we look for? Where can they find you? 
you can find me on Twitter at Lindellians. The show is at locked underscore on underscore pokes on Twitter. And uh, we're head first into golf season. So we've got some golf updates and just really trucking through football season. The Big 12 basketball schedule was released today. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Lots of fun things. All right, John. Yeah, Locked On Sooners on Twitter, at Locked On Sooners on Facebook, Locked On Sooners podcast. And you can follow me at John Nine Williams. And you can also read my work over at the Sooners Wire at USA Today. Steven. Uh, the show Twitter is at Locked On TCU. My personal Twitter is at Simcox Steven. You might say, why is your last name first? When I made my Twitter, I didn't think anybody would want to follow me. So didn't <laughs> really think ahead too well to plugging it on podcast. Um, and along with football, we're obviously covering that really hard. But TCU soccer, uh, number five team in the nation. Those yeah. ladies are doing a great job. Eric Bell's a great coach. We're following them closely as well. They actually have a big game against uh, Pepperdine. who's also a top 15 team uh, Thursday night, which so you probably listen to this on Thursday. So that would be tonight. So check that out. The waves. The That's waves right. The waves. Yes. Uh, all right. For those of you who don't uh, know me, I'm Josh Neighbors, host Locked on Big 12. Find me at Josh Neighbors underscore on Twitter at LO Big 12 there. Uh, the show you can find on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and also on YouTube where you can see my face for radio do all of these uh, shows. All right, friends. It's always great as we have our meeting of the minds every Wednesday night. It's fun. Talk to you guys next week.